With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Dave Doherty. is the uh, CEO and founder of a new nonprofit called Education at Work. Thanks for joining us here today, Dave. Thanks, Mike, for having me. Good. Let me give everyone a, a fast background on Dave. The organization, Education at Work, is designed to allow college students to earn cash money while they're, they're working in college and, as we'll explain a little bit later, allows them to earn additional money for their tuition. Education at Work only employs college students, and they work in either a customer service role or an IT uh, help desk type of a role. And they can earn up to $6,000 a year in additional compensation based on their grade point average that's and number correct. of hours worked. That's, that's correct. A, that's, a, that's a great program. Prior to starting Education at Work. Dave was the CEO and president of Convergis, a publicly held New York Stock Exchange company from 2007 to 2010. As as CEO there, he led the transformation and restructuring of the company to focus on the core customer service business and eventually led to the winding down and sale of uh, the company's HR business and the telecom uh, software business. Dave served as CEO of the Convergence customer service business from 95 to 2000, where he put in place a leadership team and grew the business from $225 million a year to $1.4 billion a year in revenue. That's a, that's those a, are the good days. Those are the good days. <laughs> well, that's the kind of thing Sam the training will do. Sure, for, you bet. Dave began his career back in 78 at Procter & Gamble in brand management. A lot of people. In, in There's a lot of people here that have, have taken that, that path. Yes, right. yes. <laughs> You left Procter & Gamble in 86 and worked at uh, LensCrafters, where he founded the Goggles Goggles line. It's a chain of sunglass stores. Oh, okay. I think I've seen those in the mail, in the, in the malls. Mm-hmm. In 1990, you left to form or, or join Matrix Marketing, which was IPO'd as part of Convergence in 1998. That's correct. That's, that's how you wound up at Convergence. That's correct. Dave has a Bachelor of Business Administration from the Ross School of Business in Michigan and active in the school's uh, dean, Dean's Visiting Committee. 
in 2010, they've led the Cincinnati United Way campaign that raised $61 million. 2010, that's a tough year for United Way. It didn't get any tougher, and I also then followed A.G. Lafley, who did it the year before, who was the president and CEO of P&G, and so it was a tough act to follow. <laughs> tough act to follow. Someday I've got to get an old Lafley and put him on, put him on the radio <laughs> show. Uh, Dave serves on the board of directors of the Cincinnati University Medical Center Fund and the Cincinnati Art Museum. So you probably knew Debbie, Debbie Bowman. Oh, sure did. Sure. Yeah. She was in the Rotary with us, still is. And Dave is a former member of Business Roundtable, where he chaired the Education and Workforce Development Commit- Committee. Dave's married and has two sons, enjoys uh, skiing and tennis. That's correct. So you went to the University of Michigan. That means you probably didn't grow up in Cincinnati. That's correct. Grew, grew up in upstate New York. Upstate New York. Upstate New York. Okay. Well, you can't tell from my accent. I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> what brought you to Cincinnati? Well, it was the opportunity to work for Procter & Gamble, like so many folks uh, have gotten here to Cincinnati. And, you know, to the to this day, I never look back on that experience. I mean, it's such a great company to work for, and you learn so many terrific skills that you end up taking with you for the rest of your career, whether it's, you know, how to write that famous one-page memo or how to communicate and put your thoughts together, uh, how to how to manage manage and lead people. P&G is just, one of, of course, one of the great training grounds, so I was fortunate enough to start my career there. Yeah, it's interesting. We uh, we never solicited P&G to do business, and one of the guys in the Rotary Club introduced me to someone at P&G, and they wound up using us for training for a couple of years. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, we, we had to rewrite everything we had, and they paid us extra to do that from English into P&G. P&G is a possess. <laughs> yes, yes. What everyone else calls a selling opportunity, P&G is a... Oh, I don't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> Initiative. Initiative. Okay, I should have remembered. A lot of initiatives. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell everyone, of, uh, uh, Dave, about a couple of shows that are coming up tomorrow. We're going to have a serial entrepreneur on, uh, Mark Schmidt. He founded Blue Chip Asphalt over 10 years ago, and today he's working on a, in a new startup called Atlas 10, which is a nationwide company for the creation of maintenance plans for asphalt parking lots. For large companies, maybe like Macy's that has parking lots mm-hmm. at the stores or Kroger's that have parking lots sure. at stores. Then we're going to have a fellow named Scott Ciccarelli. He's from uh, ADK Pro Audio. On the 15th of March, we're going to have Al Perlman from Perlman Smith CPAs. During tax time, it might get a few extra tax tips. Doesn't doesn't hurt. And show number 100 on the 21st of March is going to be Thane Maynard from the Cincinnati Zoo. Oh, terrific. Let's hope he doesn't bring any alligators or snakes. <laughs> <laughs> and on the 22nd of March, we're going to have an inspiring guy named Mike Kelly, who's going to tell us his personal leadership journey, a phenomenal story. In April, we're going to have Alan Bernstein from B&B Riverboats. We're going to have Randy Mitten from Ultimate Air Charters, and he's going to talk about oh, great organization. Yeah. You've probably flown. We've used them many times. Yes, great. And we'll have a lot of other good things. End of March on the 27th, we're going to have a uh, another one-day cold call camp here in Cincinnati. If you're interested in that for your yourself or your company, call us at the office at 513-753-9400, extension 106, and Carmen can get you the details on that. Dave, why don't you tell us a little bit more about education at work sure. and how did this idea come to be? Well, great, great question, Mike. I, I um, have always been passionate about education. You see a number of things in my background are, uh, or uh, educational-related things that i historically been involved in I'm still involved in today. And so 
once I retired from Convergys, what I was looking for is an opportunity to take my business experience and apply it to an area that I'm really passionate about, which in this case is education and really trying to solve some of the what I think are some of the big issues in education. So we formed Education at Work. We started, um, took our first calls in, in August of, of last year. Uh, we're a 501c3. We're a nonprofit. Uh, we can talk about those choices. That was a choice we made and it enables us to do a lot of things that actually, you know, at the end of the day are very good for the students. So what we do is we hire college students to, to do customer service work for companies. We're doing that work today for companies like Macy's, Bantif, which is a spinoff of Fifth Third, Cincinnati Bell. The credit card processing. Credit card processing business, right. Mm -hmm. And so our folks, like the example for Macy's, are um, helping support their e-commerce site. So if you're on their e-commerce site as a customer and you're having trouble, you can't find what you're looking for, you're concerned about the the status of your order, uh, you're having trouble with your credit card going through, our, our folks will help you complete that transaction. So kind of mainstream kind of customer service work. We hire, only hire college students to do the work. They get paid $9 an hour to do the work. Mm-hmm. And then this is where the nonprofit piece comes. We essentially take all of what would traditionally be the profit that we get for doing these services for the company and put it into a tuition assistance fund for these students. So on top of the $9, they can earn up to the maximum of 6000 more dollars in tuition assistance. And if you can do the math that combination of those two things, you know, we believe we've got a chance to kind of fund 100% of the gap that a lot of these students face in funding their education. So the goal is to actually get them through college and have no debt, which is very different than today where the average student is graduating with about $27,000 of debt. So so the $6,000 that they get is paid to their college in pre-tax dollars, so they don't have to pay Correct. We're, we're, we're using it what a tr- with what a traditional employer would use in terms of their tuition reimbursement program. Again, it's approved by the IRS. Six, up to six thousand of those dollars can pass to the student tax free, so they get the bang of a hundred you know hundred cents on the dollar on those dollars to pay for to pay for their college. Mm-hmm. The the value prop for companies that's got a lot of these companies very interested is we've actually been able to price the service to these companies at a price that's very competitive to where many of these companies today are having that work done offshore or in countries like India, Philippines, Latin America. Mm-hmm. So a big part of this is to these companies, hey, bring those dollars back here, those same dollars you're spending, use them to create a job for a college student and help these college students get through college in a more affordable way. And oh, by the way, you get better service for your customers. Mm-hmm. And and we've got now the metrics, the work that we're doing that we're demonstrating these college students can do and deliver better customer service experience than what these companies are getting in in countries like the Philippines and India. Mm. You should talk to Sony as a prospect. <laughs> We'd love to. Yeah, my, my regular <laughs> machine is a new Sony Windows 8. Mm. So, so I, I'm sorry, I was just going to say that just the the last piece on just the the end goal of the organization, and and we don't have examples of this yet, but we we will hopefully here in the next few months when our first group of students get their degree and, and, and kind of move to the workforce, is ideally we want, we want to get as many of these students placed once they get their degree in full-time employment working for many of these companies that we're doing work for today. So in an ideal world, we've taken a student who may not had a chance to get through college, get him through college, get him out with no debt, and then get him placed and working in a company that they may, may never even dream that they had an opportunity to work in. To me, that's the ultimate success. That's a fantastic uh, opportunity for the students. Now, Dave has agreed to uh, take questions, so if you have any 
questions, you can call in on 646-595-4916. I'll be able to screen the calls during the commercial break. Let me ask you one more question before before we go to a commercial, maybe two. Dave, how many seats do you have or how many employees do you have working for you now who are students? Well, we've been going just uh, a little over six months. We have over 200 students already working for us. We have about 25 full-time staff, so in total, probably about 225 people um, in the organization today. We're drawing students from 20 different colleges. Um, so you have to be going to college and uh, taking at least one one class in an accredited school. I didn't even and, know we had 20 colleges. Oh, we do. And and because it, you know, we, we say we, we don't want to discriminate. So you, you pick your choice, a college. It has to be accredited. So that means the traditional schools like University of Cincinnati or Xavier, but it also is the more the non-traditional schools, the online schools, or even the for-profit schools, as long as they're accredited and you qualify for the job, we'll, we'll support you. Okay, something like the Union Institute. Yes, sure, sure. Yeah. We had them on the show a couple of months ago. And so today, um, the biggest portion of our students are coming from the University of Cincinnati. No surprise, they're the biggest university in the region. Yeah. But, yeah. but we've got 19 others that we're getting students from. Yeah, well, you're conveniently located in Norwood. For, That's for close. So it's close for University of Cincinnati and for Xavier. We'd love to have more Xavier students. Okay, well, if a Xavier student is listening, tell everyone else. <laughs> yeah, please do. Let's take a, a short commercial break here, and we're going to listen to the story of a brand-new networking group here in Cincinnati called uh, Tip Club that here at Sandler Training I'm uh, sponsoring and bringing into, uh, into town, and we're going to be having their first meeting on March 21st, 7.30 in the morning. Let's hear from Jim Fox over at uh, Tip Club. Hi, I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. This month we will meet on Thursday, March 21st. If you'd like to reserve a seat, please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the events tab. Then just scroll down the list of events until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 1-800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you on the 21st. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Dave Doherty from Education at Work. Dave, if uh, a college student or a parent or uh, a school wants some further information about your program, 
How did they get a hold of you after the show? Sure, Mike. Uh, my uh, my number, uh, which uh, anybody can feel free to call, my office number, 513-351-1473, or feel free to email me, dave.doherty, D-O-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y, at education-at-work.org. Mm-hmm. So as you stand right now, do you need more companies that, that need customer service work done? Or do you need more students <laughs> to fill the work orders that you already have? Well, it's it's of course the, the answer is both, <laughs> and we're constantly fighting that challenge of of getting an opportunity with a client and then having to make sure we get the students to fill it, and then we uh, build up a pipeline of students who are interested in the job, and we need to go find a client. So we're we're actively working working both. Um, but uh, is there a maximum number of students that you can support in the facility? We, we, well, in the facility, we probably think six to seven hundred um, wow. in our facility in Norwood. And then we're in the process. We've already done this with College of Mount St. Joe. It's a ter- terrific partner in this with us. Um, but we'll have in place agreements with the various colleges around the area that as we need more space, we'll have locations on or near the college campuses. So with College of Mount St. Joe, um, once we fill up the center in Norwood, um, we will build uh, or we will open a center up at College of Mount St. Joe, um, which, again, will allow, I think, you know, many, many more of their students to take advantage of the opportunity. And so I'm hopeful we'll have, you know, similar arrangements with many of the other major universities around the area. So that's how we'll expand it. We believe if you look at the numbers of college students today in the area, mm-hmm. the number working already, we believe we have the potential to be employing 5,000 just here in the Cincinnati area. So if we can get to that number and you're graduating a fifth or a quarter of those every year, you know, we're, we're going to change the education level in this community, which makes us more competitive for companies looking to locate here. Mm-hmm. You know, it drives a lot of good things. Um, so you know that, that's our goal is to try to get to 5,000. Yeah, it, it changes the economics. No question. You know, I've always had a feeling that one of the ways that you judge a metro is not by the population, but by the percentage of population with a four-year college degree. Oh, you're exactly right. And one of the key indicators, we benchmark ourselves against other communities that we compete for, mm-hmm. for companies. So it's, kind of, it's, it's, it's like Indianapolis, it's uh, Austin, it's Raleigh, Durham, Charlotte. And in that key metric, we're number nine and 12. Mm. So we got a lot of room for improvement. And to, you know, to your point, the more we can drive ourselves up that, it's extremely attractive for companies looking to locate here. Yeah, I guess Charleston, West Virginia is not even on the list. I, I don't know. <laughs> that's I don't think that's one of the benchmark cities. Not one of the benchmark <laughs> cities. Okay, I can understand that. If anyone has heard that in Charleston, you didn't hear it here. <laughs> uh, uh, have you formulated a unique marketing advantage that you talk about when you talk to companies about education at Workday? Um, I, I believe so, and I think it, it, it really stems for from uh, out of the gate how we tried to price this, and that was one of the kind of complex things we had to solve is we, we had a price point in mind that we wanted to make the pricing of this to these companies pretty darn equivalent to what they're paying to have this work done in other countries. So, again, that we can come to these companies and say, hey, bring that same dollars and bring it back here. Um, the great thing about it is, you know, we're delivering on that, but then the the work of the college student, just the basic intelligence level. If you're in college, you pass through several hurdles, mm-hmm. very different than, than what I was used to in 
in kind of the traditional outsourcing world. And, you know, quite frankly, you hired people off the street and you taught them the job. In this case, we're taking college students. They know technology. They're just smarter than the average bear. As a result, they're delivering a better quality of service experience. The other thing we're seeing, again, we haven't been open, you know, a little more than six months, but the turnover we're seeing is less than 15% on an annualized basis. A traditional outsourcer in this space, the turnover would be over 100%. So the incentive of the tuition assistance combined with the prospect long-term of getting a full-time job, we believe, is going to have us have a turnover level that's very different than what is traditionally seen in this industry. And what happens is if you have lower turnover, people stay in the job longer, they get better at it. And they they deliver even better service. Right. So we think at the end of the day, we've got a very attractive value proposition, very affordable and superior service delivery. And when you talk to college students, you might have someone working in your center for three or four years. Well, you know, that's unfortunately the good and the bad. It, 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 today, the average for, for students completing a four-year degree are taking six years, hmm. in part because of the affordability issue. So there's a chance, again, we could have these students for four years, six years, uh, for you know, quite an extended period of time, which in the in the call center, the customer service world, that's a lifetime. Yeah, to get even four years, right? right. Be a miracle, sure. You know, when I talk to the the people about to Sony about my laptop, I, I'm pretty sure I was talking to someone in the Philippines at the first level. You probably were, and uh, I explained the problem that when you swipe on the right side of the screen, nothing happens. <laughs> um, I think I wasn't talking English. And the lady finally transferred me to someone in San Diego, second-level tech, an American. Right, right. And five minutes with that guy, he said, oh, yeah, the screen is broken. <laughs> <laughs> Let me send you a box with to ship it back to Sony. Well, we're seeing it with the work that, that we're doing for the you know the companies that I mentioned. Our, our call, our, we, we, do more, we handle more calls per hour. We're more productive than the offshore providers. And a lot of it has to do with the language and just understanding the context in which the American consumer is dealing yeah, with the, in the, the American idiom, which is in their head. Yes. The, the language and the logic system that gets beat into us from the time we're little guys, three and four years old, mm-hmm. watching TV, sure. until you're uh, 40 or 50 or more, mm-hmm. and you, you have a certain level of expectation of understanding, right? Uh, which is one of the beauties of this country. Yes. Uh, so uh, how do you find... Uh, companies, or are they finding you? Well, a little bit of both. I mean, we, we are being pretty aggressive about getting out there and telling our story. i got to tell you, though, it's one of the beauties of starting up a, an organization like this here in Cincinnati. We've got nine Fortune 500 companies headquartered here, mm-hmm. and there's not many startups that, that start out of the gate with their first client as Macy's. Uh, and that speaks to, you know, what I think this corporate community is, is like, that they are interested in helping um, ventures like this, you know, nonprofit organizations, organizations that, uh, you know, again, could get them as a customer that, um, you know, gets us off on a on a great footing going forward. And so, you know, that's been, you know, a great beginning to our success. Okay. Well, how many other uh, publicly held companies do you have as clients now? Well, Vantef and Cincinnati Bell, and uh, we're you know, working in, uh, uh, in discussions with uh, a large number of firms here locally, as well as other Fortune you know, 500 type companies. We, we want a portfolio of client companies that, back to my earlier point, are companies actually that these students, once they get their degree, would like to work for. 
Mm. So, so companies like Macy's, companies like a P&G, a Kroger, uh, you know, th- those are the kind of companies we want to have as our portfolio of clients to do great work for them, but also to be uh, potential long-term employers for these students. Gives a, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, so, do you yourself have salespeople at, at education at work? Me. You're the sales team. <laughs> Myself, and uh, I've got one other uh, fellow, uh, Tim White, who's our uh, vice president of business development. The two of us really are the ones that are doing most of the sales effort at this point. And and uh, you know, th- this is a sale that you want to start at the, with the with the CEO or or somebody in the you know very high levels of the uh, of the company. And so uh, you know, I think I need to be personally involved to be able to uh, you know to to make that connection and to begin the begin the sales process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you see as the obstacles to companies using education at work? Well, hopefully not many if we've crafted the value proposition correctly. But, you know, the the thing is, I mean, customer service operations are complex things. Um, there's a lot of technology, uh, you know, that has to all be connected, connected to the telephony system and your IT system. And so, you know, once you get that embedded, whether it's in your own internal operations or with another provider, it's uh, it's not the easiest thing to say, oh, we're going to go start up another provider um, in this space. And uh, so I give the folks, like the folks at Macy's credit for being willing to take a risk on us. It was a big undertaking on their side to be able to stand up, a, you know, somebody else to uh, to support them. It's, it's no easy task. So how long did it take from the time Macy's said, we'd like to move forward, the time that you could take the first telephone call? Uh, I think we signed our contract in May, uh, May or June, and we then immediately began hiring um, the students. The students then went through a four-week training program. Uh, in, a, in parallel, we were working the technology piece, getting the infrastructure the, piece, right, getting the connections, getting the PCs. Uh, Cincinnati Bell Technology Service has been a great partner for us in that. We're using a mm-hmm. thin client solution, so we don't have a PC at the desktop. We're just taking direct access from the Macy Systems, downloading the images that we need on, to the desktop for the for the student. And then we took our first call August 13th. And Deontay Junkins, a, uh, a, a UC student, uh, African-American young man, uh, a chemistry major, a 4.0 student, who's pre-med, and he took the first call. And we were all huddled around him and, and taking pictures and everything. And after the call, I asked him, I said, so, Deontay, what was it like? And he, he turned to me and he said, without missing a beat, piece of cake compared to chemistry. <laughs> well, you need good people at customer service. We, you sure do. We got them. And all the web transactions for all the companies just means more and more trouble are going to be set up. No question. Yeah. Do you have a, a long-term strategic plan beyond going to the local colleges? Are you ever thinking of taking this thing national in scope? Oh, we, there's no question about it. We've got a great board who has been able to put together who's advising me on this, and the, the idea is we get it right here in Cincinnati, the headquarters facility with the satellite locations that I talked about, uh, employing, again, hopefully multiple thousands of students here, and then literally we take it around the country uh, to major city after major city around the country. We believe, again, if you look at the numbers of college students today that are working that could use this kind of opportunity, I mean, we believe we've got the potential that we could eventually, with expansion nationally, be employing more than 100,000 students. Um, so, again, on a national level, that could start to make a difference for us, you know, as a country um, in terms of our education level. Education level uh, and quality of service for companies all all around the company in every part of the economy. No question. Well, the other piece of that we didn't really talk about it yet is is uh, just doing this job 
you build skills that you take with you the rest of your career. And that's one of the things I heard. We, we experienced this at Convergence. I heard this as I went out and talked to a lot of company leaders as I was putting this together. And they were saying, unfortunately, a lot of the graduates today still don't have the skills that we need them to have to be effective in today's workforce. How to communicate, how to problem solve, critical thinking, working effectively as part of a team. Guess what? The call center job, it's a tough job, but you learn those skills. Showing up every day at work. Right. Right, right. For well, it was, it was it was it was interesting. I mean, the uh, I was up at um, University of Cincinnati not too long meeting with Dr. Ono, explaining this concept to him, and he's very excited about it. And he's 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 a you know great champion for us. But I started to go through and talk to him about the skills that you learn in the call center job, and he 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 stopped me. He said, he said, you don't need to sell me on the call center job. He said, I put my way through college working in a call center. Oh, really? So I said that to our students. I said, you know, maybe you too could be a college president someday. That's great. That's great. We're going to take a uh, another uh, short break here. And if you have any questions for uh, Dave, you can call in on 646-595-4916. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. At the first sign of trouble, there are three types of business leaders. The first type of leader is like a turtle. He pulls his head and tail in and hides in his shell. Turtles hunker down, just trying to survive. The second type of leader is an opportunist. They're like eagles. Eagles spread their wings and take advantage of the winds. They catch the storm wind and rise to new heights. The third group, between turtles and eagles, are called turkeys. Turkeys are average and anxious. They huddle together and move. They never saw. However, turkeys are easy prey for those who seize the opportunity and soar. If someone in your industry goes out of business, are you going to get the business? The question is, which type of leader are you? Will you seize the opportunities to take market share and grow, or will your fate be like the turkeys? If you're serious about growth, call me to arrange a confidential meeting, 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management, but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, call me at 513-646-6523 or register for our next open house. Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.rothconsulting.net. This is Mike, and I'm back with Dave Doherty from Education at Work. Dave? We have a theory of operation here that uh, complex problems are in, can only be solved by complex solutions. If you try a simple solution on a complex problem, invariably it's wrong. So maybe uh, from some place in your career, either <laughs> had education at work or one of your prior uh, uh, career endeavors, you could share with us a complex problem and the complex solution that you developed for it and it might be applicable to other people in other industries. 
Well, I get to give, I guess, a lot, a lot from the from the past. But I mean, the one that jumps into my most is most recently is the challenge faced with education and work, and put, really putting together the business model there. A startup and a business model. Well, start, yeah, startup. And you know, what I found is a startup in a nonprofit world is just as hard as a startup in a for-profit world. Um, maybe but, even harder. May, maybe even harder. Well, and, and there, there's some truth in that in terms of raising the equity and raising the money that. Uh, uh, you know, I believe if it had gone the for-profit route, uh, the ability to get equity holders, shareholders, I think I would have long ago had the money I re- needed to, to launch this venture. It's been more challenging um, doing it as a as a nonprofit. How long did that take? What's that? What's that? From the time you had the idea to the time you had it funded, then you could it could launch. Well, we, uh, you know, I had the idea, started working the idea, you know, a couple of years ago, but you know, really got serious January of last year. The only way I saw to get it off the ground was to personally commit. So mm-hmm. I personally committed a half million dollars to it, um, and then alongside me came the College of Mount St. Joe. Uh, we've had another individual come in, and we're still in the process of raising a half million dollars. And uh, we've talked to a number of individuals, institutions about that. I'm hopeful that you know we'll be successful there. We need the money to kind of get us through this year, and then I guess we build our revenues. We get to the point where we'll be self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. But that'll be the end of this year, beginning of of next year. But the the the, the challenge was how, how to get a price point that was attractive yet be able to really make a meaningful dent in the problem, which is what I was trying to solve, which is the cost of education. And going the for-profit route, when you have shareholders, and you know I've lived in this world, shareholders expect enormous returns, a return on investment, yeah, and, and, and oversized for the risk that they're taking, and right, rightly so. And I couldn't figure out in that model how to get enough money to make a meaningful dent in in the tuition problem or the cost of education problem. So I started exploring doing it as a nonprofit. Well, as you can imagine, a nonprofit that actually charges for services right is a challenging argument. To make with the IRS to get officially uh, awarded the status of 501c3. I went through it with the IRS with a, a uh, an organization here in town. It took us 18 months. Right, right, to get and IRS and, approval as a nonprofit. And and I was very fortunate in that um, with the help of our great senator Rob Bortman, who loved this idea and became a champion, that he helped me get to the front of the line and. We actually got approval through the IRS in less than six months, but we argued it, and it's true. We argued it on the basis of we're skill building these students, and the money we're receiving from these companies is being plowed back into building the skills of these students, helping them become better at communicating, problem solving, those kinds of of skills. And so we were, you know, successful in being able to um, get the IRS to you know grant us that. Um, and to me, that that was the only way I could figure out how to to to, to get enough of you know the, the money that we needed to be able to to solve the solve the problem. So that's you know one that so took me a while to figure out how to do. In your pricing algorithm to the companies for customer service, uh, by a percentage, how much percentage cheaper or less expensive are you than offshoring the the work? We're, we're, the way we try to price it to be roughly equivalent. With what mm-hmm. they're paying offshore for for a, a an equivalent um, solution by a third party provider here in the United States, we're thirty to fifty percent cheaper. So that 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 is the part of the problem we had to solve is how, how could we have a price point here in the United States very much lower than than what um, you know another firm would have a typical. Right, and so again, we've constructed the model. For example, we don't offer benefits to our to our our student employees. Our only benefit is tuition assistance. 
Well, most of them are going to be less than 25 hours a week anyway. Right. And so they're going to be on their parents' uh, benefits, or they're going to be able to get a low cost through so the university. Have, you know, work, workforce is primarily below 26 years right. of and, age. But, but my, in my own world, you know, we had full-time employees at the customer doing the customer service work. We were paying benefits enormously expensive. The other thing I found in the startup today versus where we were, for example, at Convergence 15, 20 years ago, the cost of technology has changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. So technology costs were 8 to 9% of our revenues in, in a traditional outsourcer. Today, using today's technology, for us, they're less than three. Mm-hmm. So I pick up six margin points just on technology. And then I, I talked about our facilities. We don't have facility costs. So the universities are going to be providing us facilities as we expand the business. So And they will pay the rent on those facilities for us. Or they'll put, put you in one of their unused classroom buildings. Right, or, or rent a facility near 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 campus. And you say, well, why would the university do that? Well, the university do that. If they have 500 students working in that center near their campus, mm-hmm. they know, and we've been able to demonstrate, we're going to pay on average at least $3,000 to each student each year in tuition. Well, that's a million and a half dollars. They know they're going to get back in their pocket in tuition. Mm-hmm. So... This works very well for the universities, and they're very excited about that about that value proposition. Interesting. And, and uh, you said College of St. Mary's was one of the initial, College, College of Mount St. Joe. Mount St. Joe was uh, one of the initial investors, so they must have been the first people. One of the first people you talked to about it. Uh, I did. I did. And and uh, again, they, they um, terrific college. Um, it's expensive mm-hmm. to, to to go there. It's a great education, it's a totally private school, totally private, right? And and, and fully accredited. Yeah. Oh, a great school, great school. And and they were looking for, um, you know, how, how can they help their students make it a more affordable experience? So we formed this partnership. They made the investment. They immediately, even last summer, as we were getting started, were already starting to use this as a recruiting tool for potential freshmen coming in, saying, "Hey, look, consider us." Because we do have a way, we have an opportunity for you that you can help get you through here in a much more affordable fashion. So they've been a wonderful partner, and we are up there regularly, you know, trying to recruit as many of their students as we possibly can, and then eventually we'll have a have a facility up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there any timetable on when you're going to have that build out uh, completed? I the sooner the better, as far as I'm concerned. That means our revenues are are growing and and we're hitting the targets that we want to hit. But you know, first we need to get to the point where we have five or six hundred students, kind of in that range in the Norwood facility. Probably shortly before we actually got to that point, we'll push the button on the facility over at College of Mount St. Joe. To their credit, they've already begun looking at you know potential real estate options, and, and the good news is there's a number of them up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the the maximum number of people you could stick into the Norwood facility? Yes, five six hundred. Five to six hundred is probably the, a realistic number. Okay, the students that are working for you, how do they see it? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. We, we, we've done some focus groups with the students, and and it's um, you know, I mean, I put this together, and so I, I always kind of look at it through my lens. Well, these the students, you know, when we first approached them, was they were very skeptical. I mean, they say some of them were working other jobs, and they, you know, were going to quit their job to join the startup organization. And they hear about it, and they said, "This is too good to be true." I mean, there's no way that you know, I mean, a company like this doing work for Macy's. And the, so the first class we did the focus group, and and the, this one woman in there started took us through kind of her experience, and and she said at one point, you know, Macy's, uh, and then all of a sudden one day the Macy's client showed up, and she really was working on the Macy's program, and she said, "I'd never dreamed that that could happen," and then. 
we paid our first rounds of of tuition assistance here just a couple of weeks ago, and so you know that again I think further validates in the student's mind this is for real and it is it is good and it is a good thing and we had a great celebration um, we had the students that you know had had uh, gotten the tuition assistance we had parents there parents crying actually our our our, our client Macy's even had people come down they were crying um, it was a, you know, it's just a great celebration we'll keep you know we'll keep doing that uh Are students know. bringing their friends to see if you can get get them in is it well and we're incenting them to do that you know that's your best recruiting tool is a you know a satisfied employee um and we've encouraged them to friend us on facebook and then to tap into their facebook network and to be um recruiters for us and and we give them incentive they can earn extra money by um you know bringing candidates that that uh, qualify for the job that how, how uh, frequently has that happened so far oh a great deal Really, great deal. Yeah, the the, the existing employment base has been probably our, our most effective recruiting tool. Wow, that, that's a that's a great story. Um, do you have a uh, a social media program to promote your company to students? Outside of what the students themselves are doing, who are working for you? <laughs> we do. We've got under uh, Tim White's. Leadership. We have a, a number of folks who are helping us with social media. We've got uh, somebody who works our websites. We've got somebody who works Twitter. We have a couple of different Twitter addresses. Um, one that's kind of the formal education at work, and then actually we have another that has kind of the personality of the student, kind of the inside view of uh, education at work, and kind of providing a little different, uh, you know, different take on the organization. Do, and, do you remember what they are for the listeners? Um, the uh, I. Um, the, they, they can just use education at work, and they, they just do the search in Twitter, and then they can find it, and they can just uh, connect to us. Okay. Um, so similar in Facebook, just education at work. They can, uh, they can, they can find us. So no, we're using those um, those tools. As you can imagine, our target audience being the student, we got to be very, very savvy in those, uh, you know, in those areas. And uh, we got a great team of folks that are that are working it. That's great. That's great. Um, Again, they did agree to uh, take some questions. So if you have questions, you can uh, uh, give us a call here at 646-595-4916. And uh, we're going to listen to a San LaRule, and then we'll be right back. We're going to listen to San LaRule number 47. I'm Brad Massey with Sandler Training. I'm talking to you about rule number 47, selling is a Broadway play performed by a psychiatrist. What does that mean? Selling is a Broadway play. It's about a performance. It's about sometimes having to do things differently than we're comfortable doing. It's about making changes. Sometimes I need to speak with enthusiasm and excitement. Sometimes I need to speak more subtly and articulately, and I need to explain things deeper. Um, performance by a psychiatrist, what does psychiatry have to do with this rule? It means we have to have an understanding of human dynamics. Being a psychiatrist is about understanding human dynamics. It means we need to be able to manage the way we speak with people. Um, be an objective participant to the event when we talk to people keep our emotions under control. 
people to ask the appropriate questions in a manner that is not contingent on the outcome. In other words, sometimes if I really want to close business, I get emotionally involved. And what the other person is telling me has too much impact on me. I just need to understand that there's a process in how we go about interacting with people. And if I can say the right things, if I can ask the right questions, then I don't get emotionally involved with this opportunity. And the right thing always happens, yes or no. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Dave Darty from Education at Work. Dave, I uh, always like to ask experienced leaders like yourself if they'd share with our audience of other leaders, potential leaders, perhaps a leadership tip or two. That's something that you've <laughs> learned from your own experience out there in the right. real world. Well, you've probably heard this one, you know, many times from many folks, but I just can't emphasize it enough. I mean, the to me, the ultimate key to success is hire great people. I mean, it's job one, and you got to build a great team. And, and I've been fortunate enough in many stops along the way to be able to attract, develop uh, a great team. And probably emphasis on not only attract, but to develop. I think the leader's responsibility is you've got somebody's career in your hands, and you know, you've got to work hard to make sure that, that you bring them along and you develop them to their, to their fullest potential. And second, I guess, would be as a leader that um, you know, you've got to inspire them and you've got to walk the talk. Um, you, know, you can't say one thing and do something else. I'm a big believer in being a role model for my folks and really not asking them to do anything that, that I personally won't do. Um, I guess the last one that's kind of relevant for today's world that I've kind of learned uh, is uh, you, know, you get uh, quite often irritating emails or something that really makes you mad, and I now have my 24-hour rule. Somebody once told me that if it feels good to respond, you shouldn't respond. You shouldn't you shouldn't send it. And so, you know, I found uh, just to be patient, to think about it, sleep on it for 24 hours, you find your response is very different than what it was if you would have sent it five minutes after you got that email. Yeah, I, I have kind of the same rule. Uh, when I get something that hits me underneath the fingernail in an email, I'll read it. And put it into a holding pot. Right, there you go. Right. Uh, sometimes I've been known to actually write the response. If you can do that, as long as you don't send it. I put it into a, another holding file. Right. The next day when I get a chance to read it, I said, oh, my God, I shouldn't have written Thank that. goodness I didn't send that. Right. right. So right. I, I've I learned that lesson, so. and I, I encourage others to, to do the same and hold off. We have a process here we call sales efficiency, and, you know, one of the three steps, everything in Sandler's and Triangles, is get the right people. Because we can't train people who aren't trainable. Sure. And there's a substantial number of people, maybe 5%, working in sales mm -hmm. or who want to be in sales who aren't trainable. A second step is to have a great process, that's the Sandler uh, psychological selling process. And the third, the third step is to have a great strategy. Sure. And only great leaders can give great strategies. When you have all three, you have a company that excels right, right. and grows much faster than average in the industry. Well, I think it's in your second point, but a you know, great strategy. You do need a great strategy, but, of course, a great strategy executed badly doesn't work. And That's so right. the execution piece is A great strategy is so using poor people 
results in failure. Right. Can't do that. Right. So building a strong team, critical component. Right. Set you up for success. Right. Right. Um, when you look at uh, your nonprofit today, um, is there anyone else in America doing anything like education at work? Yeah, I've been asked that question a lot. We've done a lot of search, and we haven't found anybody. Um, you know, if, if there's somebody out there that knows of an organization, we'd like to know about them and, and to figure out if there's a way for us to, to work together. The, the only thing closest that I've found is companies hire college students as interns, um, and, you know, we'll, we'll bring them into their organization. We're different in the fact that, that again, you know, they're still taking classes while they're working for us. But the big thing that's very different is the tuition assistance model. Mm-hmm. Uh, most employers in an internship, again, it's for a limited period of time, uh, usually doesn't have anything close to what we're we're providing in and terms some of, those of inter- tuition ass- assistance. Yeah, some of those internships are some in case unpaid. Pay. Unpaid, yeah. right, right. And so, so that's really the only thing we've been able to uh, to find to date um, that we've. You think this is what we're doing is quite unique, but again, if there's a organization out there that's uh, kind of in and around this space, we certainly would like to know about it. Mm-hmm. They're working today with 20 colleges, universities in the Cincinnati marketplace. Mm-hmm. That's great, right? Right. Have you ever counted up how how many total educational institutions there are that you could work with? Uh, oh, that number here in Cincinnati, I'm guessing is probably, well, and I, what, what I'm doing is I'm in the Cincinnati region. So it's the, you know, that includes Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati, it's the oh, 12 counties that make up the, the, the MSA. Uh, I'm guessing there's, there's, you know, there's probably a hundred mm-hmm. colleges. Do you have people from Northern Kentucky coming up to Norwood to work with you? We do actually, we have a fair number of NKU students, which NKU, another great school, mm-hmm. um, and um, uh, we've got already. That's a long haul for them, uh, but we've got a you know pretty significant number of those students. Well, and did the, the river get wider, it, you know, 350 miles wide. <laughs> well, I mean, again, you know, for a college student, a lot of times have challenge. So I mean, a fair number. I mean, some some of our students have cars, but a lot don't. Mm-hmm. And so you know, having to figure out how to carpool or use public transportation, it's challenging, you know, for those students. But to their credit. They're doing it, and I'm hopeful that again NKU ends up being one of the colleges that we end up with a uh, with a location, um, you know, right on or near their campus. Yep. That would be great. The, the other thing we're seeing, so of the population so far, um, two thirds of the students are majoring in STEM, so science, technology, engineering, math, business, or healthcare, mm-hmm. and those, quite frankly. I mean, we know there's jobs out there in this community for students with those majors. So we got to do a better job of getting students in those majors you know, through and graduated. But I'm confident that uh, you know we've we've got jobs in this community for students in those majors. Yeah, and NKU had a uh, a whole new program in uh, com- computer Info, their, their informatics, informatics program, studies. which is a wonderful program. One in the student, the quality of students in there. Are outstanding, and so no, that's a program we want to help them grow and help more get more students through it. Because, you know, whether it's uh, Tata or or Dunhumby, I mean, there's companies here that are craving for students with those kind of skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when they're working for you, they're getting that tax-free tuition money, right? Right, which is a big difference. Oh, it's 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 very big, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you talk to uh, 
additional companies that, that may have customer service work uh, for you. But what's the biggest objection you hear? Well, historically, was uh, the, the way we typically sold these services back in my old company is a company kind of had to br- embrace the idea of outsourcing. Mm-hmm. So turning over their operations that's to customer a third service. party, yeah, and that's a quite a hurdle for a lot of companies. I mean, only about um, yeah, uh, oh, twenty percent or so of the addressable market are companies who have actually kind of embraced outsourcing. So you're always were fighting that battle. What we've been able to do here is is very different. I mean, we will do traditional outsourcing, but we also do what we call staff augmentation work. So very much like a manpower or a Kelly agency, Mm -hmm. we hire the students. They're on our payroll, so they get access to our tuition assistance. But in the example I used with Vantif, that's the relationship we have with them. Our students actually are going to work in their facility. So that effectively opens up any company that needs part-time employees that would consider a college student. So for customer service or sales support, marketing, analyst roles. So you're actually sending people up to the Vantis location correct, to do the work. Correct. But they're on our payroll, um, and so they have access to our tuition assistance. Very much how a Kelly or a Manpower works, but they don't offer that tuition right. assistance, and they don't usually hire college students. That, that, that's a, a, a really good uh, operational model. I didn't realize that. I thought you were doing the Vantis work. Now they're at your right. center in Norwood. Right. No, we're doing it. It was sending. So, so, so the my, student has to have transportation to get up to. The, yes, they do. Yeah, and and, and right, right. And we can potentially help them with it if we got enough of a critical mass. But in the case of Vantif, so far, all those students have their own transportation. But of course, what that does is effectively means we can sell to almost any company. Almost, you know, almost any company wants some number of part-time employees, and we've got the opportunity to be able to provide those those employees to them. So, if you you had a company that had a position for two or three people in northern Kentucky. We could hire students and, and, and they could yeah. work in northern Kentucky yes. even though they and they'd go to NKU. Right. And they but they'd be on our payroll and we'd we'd be paying them the uh tuition assistance. The company of course then would be paying us in that case we charge two rates for outsourcing we charge nineteen dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. If they go to work in the client's facility we charge seventeen dollars an hour. Which is pretty equivalent to the price they would pay to a manpower or a deco or is there a number of uh, hours per day that a student must commit to work? No, it's really we we leave that up to the client and and uh, you know we try to get students matched up with what the hours that the client needs. Um, students have to work on average fifteen hours a week to qualify for our tuition assistance, but they could if they wanted to and the client wanted them to, they could work up to on average thirty two hours a week. It just can't go past that because then we'd have to offer health care benefits. Ah, okay. So, so, so there's a great deal of flexibility. We think the optimum for students, particularly with a full workload at, at school, mm-hmm. is probably 15 to 20 hours a week. Right, right. Uh, and there's actually some data that supports students working kind of in that range. Yeah. I'm, you know what? They do better. Their grade points are higher than those who don't because I think it forces a structure and a discipline for them to learn how to manage their time, and in fact, they end up doing better. They end up doing better in school. Yeah, I I worked uh, in uh, in college in the marketing department, about ten or fifteen hours a week. Okay. Uh, it, it was great experience that I could never never have duplicated. Sure. Huh. 
I worked for the the son of the own, the originator of uh, Pan Am Airways. Oh, that, <laughs> that goes back a while. <laughs> yeah, well, it was the son of the originator. Oh, okay, okay. He was a college professor at uh, City College in New York, and he was an interesting guy. Uh, learned more about marketing from those two professors that I worked for than I did from my marketing <laughs> course in school. Um, any last thoughts, Dave, before we wrap up? Uh, well, one, I just appreciate you, Mike, having having me on and helping me uh, get the word out for for education at work and you know to companies out there that that you know potentially would be interested in exploring this. We'd love to talk to you, and then equally important, parents that have students or or students themselves that are listening to this, you can go online and and uh, you could get right to our application and and uh, you know we would welcome the opportunity to get as many as many of the students um, looking at this as an employment opportunity. And, and the website again was. Uh, it's uh, basically you just do a Google search education at work and then uh, the, we'll pop right up and you just, you know, they'll take you right to our website. Good. Dave, I appreciate you being here today. And I'm going to give you a copy of the Sandler's first book over there. You can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar. That's a uh, terrific, a simple explanation in the first 15 chapters anyway of the Sandler selling system. Okay. Uh, if you want to read the book the way Dave actually wrote it before the ghostwriter manipulated it, Read chapter two before you read chapter one. Okay, I will. Okay. Because that's the way he wrote it. <laughs> and then uh, we, after you finish chapter 15, fasten your, your seatbelt because chapter 16 uh, was probably a 1,000 pages further in the manuscript. Okay. And the ghostwriter cut those 1,000 pages out. <laughs> and Sandler insisted on putting that in because it was necessary. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. And that book has been around probably for uh, 12 or 15 years. Every year probably sells 10,000 copies. It's a great book. Dave, again, thanks for being our guest here on Cincinnati Business Talk Radio. And I'm going to ask Scott to take it away. Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.